Last week, if you can remember, I don't know that I can, but last week, if we remember that John 3.16 was in our text, that God loved the world. This morning's text in John echoes that call to the first, that first disciples, showing the promise of universal salvation. It is the first time that Jesus offers it, is thinking about it, is talking about that universal salvation for the world. It also confirms the words of the Pharisees just a verse earlier after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead as they remark to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Listen to the Gospel of John, the words of God as it comes to us from that Gospel in chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One evening, Wednesday evening, oh, about a month ago now, I asked the Life of Christ kids, name some of the books that you've read. Oh, and they listed some of the same books, and they were really excited that their friends had read those same things. And they were excited to share that list with me. I then asked them, have you ever read the Bible? And they kind of looked at me, well, some of it. Have you read through 
all of the Bible, completely, all the way through. No. No, pastor, it's too big. It's too difficult. Besides, where would we start? I said, well, a good place to start is at the beginning. Genesis. Shows you how to read the Bible sometimes in some special programs as well. If you turn to the very back of some Bibles, it says, read the Bible in a year. And they asked me if I had read the Bible. I said, yes. Yes, I had. The uh, first time was, however, when I was 18 years old. First time, cover to cover, when I was 18 years old. I explained that the book of Numbers was kind of boring. But even now, the names become to be, be interesting as you read those names and what those names mean. And then I told them that I read it again. And again, and again, and again. And folks, I still read it before I go to bed every evening. I study it constantly. Well, of course, duh, that's what you pay me for. Right? It's my calling by you and by God. Only since my early 20s would I begin to understand the commitment to serving, of ministering, and of teaching, and what it took to exercise the commitment not only to read the Bible, but the commitment to serve, to minister, to do mission, and what it took to exercise that commitment. I still learn every single day. I'm sure, who doesn't learn every day? That's all good. No hands went up. That's good. I still learn every single day. And the things that I read, the things that I've studied, I can't read it another time, a third time, a fourth time, without something new coming up. Every time I read John 3, 16, something new pops in my mind. Someone asked me the other day, Pastor, if you're here, if you've preached for so many years, how do you come up with a new sermon on the same text? My response is, I could preach on John 3, 16 every single Sunday and come up with something else. God's Word is alive. God's Word is whispering in our ear. God's Word energizes us and tells us a different story as we go. It is the living Word of God. Whether or not it's written, whether or not it's spoken, it's living, it's breathing, it's dynamic as we listen and wait for God's whispering. Each of us has a story to tell of how we come to sit in these pews this morning. Some have had a mountaintop experience. Some have had a road on the Damascus, uh, road to Damascus uh, 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 event. Some are gradual, some have grown, and some, well, they just happen like mine. Just plain old simple, and then after you add up all the numbers, all the events, all the things that have happened, you sit there and go, wow, wow, look what God has done in my life. There's been no big explosion, there's been no bright lights, there's no scales dropping from my eyes. However Jesus calls you, we are compelled to listen. 
believe and to act. Paul's conversion was, was really dramatic with no questions asked. Peter's was wavering and full of doubt, as were the other disciples. But the conversion came nonetheless. It really is like the nun said back when I was 18 that prompted me to read the Bible for the first time. I've told you the story about the nun with the gorgeous blue eyes. I was in love. It was with a nun. <laughs> she told me I had to come to faith. And the best way to start was to go back to the beginning, the foundation. Just read your Bible. Listen for God's word. She had an urgency in her words. And I hope you have a sense of urgency in mine. That urgency is don't let another moment go by without committing or recommitting fully to the ministry of Jesus Christ. As the prophet Joel said, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to God. We have the opportunity right now to do just that. We must take the opportunity that is presented to us each and every moment of every day, every morning that we wake up, take the opportunity to make a recommitment to Jesus Christ. Because that opportunity might pass away. We are never assured of a second chance. We are never assured. How many of you sit here today think you've got a second chance? Last week, like last week, we must decide. And as my friend said, to not decide is to decide. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. For just as the Pharisees stated the fulfillment of the law and the promises of God, Jesus has come and the world has gone after him. And the arrival of the Greeks confirm that, that the world now is coming after Jesus, just as we were reminded last week's text. God loved the world the world, so God gave the Son. And Jesus gave us the foundations of who to believe in and why we believe. Jesus Christ is the only true Son of God so that we might not perish and have everlasting life. Just like that little one said to us this morning, Jesus also taught us that he, like the grain of wheat, must fall into the earth and die so that the single grain can rise again and bear much fruit. Look at all the fruit that has been born just in this congregation. Think about that. From its humble beginnings 200 some years ago, think of how it's grown even today. Still growing, still preaching, if you would, the word of God. That's the mission of this church. That was the mission of Jesus Christ. So here in Lake City, we are performing that mission that started way over in the Middle East. If Jesus Christ, if he just lives, our sins are not forgiven. And there can be no place in eternity. If Jesus Christ just dies, our sins are forgiven, but our path is not paved to eternity. Jesus Christ must die so that the seed might be planted and take away the sins of the entire world and then rise up from that death so that we might live fully in God. 
Jesus Christ gives us the foundation in which we must live, which we must minister, which we must work, and he creates in us a new life. Paul reminds us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone, the new life has come. So we give our lives to Christ. So as we listen to his call, and he is calling all the time, Did you hear it? Jesus Christ is calling you all the time. Perhaps in what you see, perhaps in what you do, perhaps in the silence of the sanctuary. We hear him, we see him, we know him, and we are given a new life. We are a new creation in him. We are in a new relationship with God, not separated as before. We are on the same page, not alienated at all in God's presence. We are justified through faith. There's a great theological term, justified through faith, receiving the peace and the grace of God through Jesus. We are born again. Yes, we are born again, born anew through the word of Jesus Christ, the word that lives and breathes in us, and the Greeks came to Jesus because they knew a new life was there. That they were about to have a new life. They were about to embark on a new life. And they heard, as we do, that Jesus' death and resurrection creates in us that new life and creates a community of believers, the body of Christ. The seeds fall, and that's what happens. His ultimate sacrifice of his life serves as a gift to us and an image to us so that we might model to minister in his name. And how does that ministry look? To serve one another in love. Each and every member of the body suffers. If they do, we suffer. Janie, if you feel pain, we all feel pain. Janie, if you feel joy, we all feel joy. That is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. That's right. Carol, when you feel joy, we are celebrating. And Lee, when you are sad, we're all sad. We feel your pain. My friends, that's what it means to be continually in the body of Christ. That's what it means to be a family. That's what we are here at First Presbyterian. The seed has fallen, and now the planting of that seed has grown and planted and grown and planted and grown and planted for 2,000 years, and we are a result of those plantings, those growings. And now I urge you to plant the seed. Plant the seed. Janie, you can plant one seed, and perhaps 500 will come. You never know what generations... Kathy, all those seeds that you're planting with the youth, look out. The youth are coming. Abby, the seeds that you've planted, think about what's happening, how they're growing, and what's going on. Joe, all those kids that you've helped, think about the seeds that you've planted. And 50 years from now, they're going to say, Joe was the one that helped me on the road here. Think about the impact that you've had. Think about the life that you have created here 
just from First Presbyterian Church, just from where you sit, that is the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is what we're called to. Amen and amen.